أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد So inshallah it's a mubarak night hopefully uh, inshallah people are engaged in their dhikr and in their duas and their entreaties to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna Allahumma innaka afuun kareemun tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna Ya Allah uh, you are the one who forgives a complete forgiveness leaves behind no rancor or ill will and you love that people should forgive uh, like that so forgive us like that Ya Allah Ya Kareem Oh, the one who's the most generous, Akram al-Akramin, most generous of the generous and noble of the noble. Uh, I wanted to uh, uh, just share another anecdote, uh, maybe, hopefully, in order to get out some catharsis from the, uh, you know, just the, the, the emotion of uh, the firaq, both of uh, Hazrat Allama Khalid Saab and Mufti Palan Puri, rahimahumullah tabarak wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala exalt their their rank and all of those pious people uh, who uh, pass away on iman uh, and allah make us amongst them that one day i actually uh, uh, i went to him and i asked him when he came for permission to bail on america <laughs> just to move to the muslim world and uh, you know read my books and do my thing over there and just be done and uh, it's funny because one very popular speakery type person you know he once said to me he's like well you know uh, uh, you know, you know, it's good that thank God that we're in America and we're not stuck in the Muslim world. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I consider as a matter of aqidah uh, the place where the adhan is called and the place where the ghalaba of the people is for la ilaha illallah. Uh, I don't care how many mosquitoes there are and if there's power or no power or whatever. I consider there to be a lot of khair there, you know, and not trying to say anything bad about this place, which is where we're from and stuff, but like, you know, um, I would rather I'd rather hear the adhan than uh, be able to buy I don't know like uh, thirty flavors of ice cream uh, at the shopping mall or whatever you know uh, whatever blessings there are in this place. So uh, I I was kind of hoping that he would say yes you know like you know there's khair in that and he said no and uh, uh, I tried to argue with him I said Hazrat but you know Imam Malik his aslan he says that. Uh, he says that, uh, you know, a person shouldn't live in Darul Kufr, you know, and uh, they should live in Darul Islam. He says, mujtahid pe asar hai. He says that the, the, the place where the mujtahid is living affects his ijtihad. He's living in Medina. Obviously, he's going to say that and he's going to be pro-hijra and there's a hikmah in it. And uh, he, he said, however, whatever the fuqaha say, he said, if you read the books of tarikh, wherever the Muslim armies of conquest went, um, they found that there were already Muslims in all of those places. And this indicates that the Muslims went and uh, took the deen with them and called the people to Allah uh, 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 wherever, wherever they, they went. And uh, he, said that, uh, he said that my opinion is that you should stay. And I said, Mufti Saab, what about, uh, you know, because those were the days of, those were the days of the W where our Justice Department was, you know, like trying to waterboard everyone and their uncle. And, uh, uh, you know, where uh, impunity was rife um, and it, all of it was focused on us. See, nowadays impunity is rife, but it's kind of like in every direction, you know. 
but in those days the impunity was just doing its warm-up run and we were the 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 the, the scapegoat and the lab rats for which it was going to be tested on and before anyone cared about black lives mattering or any of these other things uh, that was a time when everyone was together and beating up on us so I, I, I said, uh, you know, the war on whatever. And so I, I, uh, 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 I asked him, I said, Sheikh, I go, I feel uh, so overwhelmed. I go, this place, we don't know what's going to happen over here. Maybe one of these days, one of these like crazy Islamophobic people is going to use like something as an excuse and shut down all of our masajid and shut down all of our madaris and destroy all of the work that we put in all this effort into building. Whereas if we're in the Darul Islam, it will be preserved. And he looked at me very calmly and he said, uh, you know, those decisions, making those decisions is Allah's job. Uh, doing this work is yours. You do your work and let Allah do his. And uh, wow, you know, if there's ever something that uh, there's really no uh, no job to, there's no response that you give. You just kind of shut up and go about your, your business then. Uh, that was it. So... Uh, those are some of my memories of him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him and give him a high rank. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept these efforts. And I guess he walked the walk also because the ulama who are in India, um, you know, if there's anybody who uh, it's immediately clear why uh, they they might want to just bail and like leave the hundreds of millions of Muslims behind and uh, make a life for themselves somewhere safer and more comfortable than where they are. I guess nowadays we see that, uh, uh, you know, he, he like his sheikh before him, Mawlana Sayyid Hussein Ahmed Madani, uh, they made good with wafat to the uh, Muslims of, uh, of India and stayed with them till the end and didn't abandon them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them a high rank and uh, for the sake of their sacrifices, inshallah, protect the work of Islam uh, in, in India and in the Indian subcontinent and uh, in the entire world, which is just a, a bigger expression of the same uh, of the same tumult and the same uh, uh, the same danger uh, that those Muslims are expressing or are are, are uh, experiencing right now. So we continue, inshallah, with uh, uh, with uh, the Shah, uh, the, the story of Shah Abdul Qadir Jailani, rahimahullah taala, wa sirrahu. Shah Abdul Qadir spent 73 years of his life in Baghdad. When he came to Baghdad, the Khalifa uh, Mustazhir Billah uh, uh, Abu Abbas, uh, who reigned from 487 to 512 after Hijra, was reigning uh, uh, the reigning monarch after whom four other uh, Abbasid uh, Khalifas, Mustarshid Billah 512 to 529, uh, uh, Ar Rashid Billah deposed in 529. And uh, Al Muqtafi bi Amrillah from 530 to 555, and Al Mustanjid Billah from 555 to 565, all succeeded the throne one after the other. This was one of the most troublesome times uh, of the uh, Abbasid rule when the Khalifas and the Seljukid Sultans uh, vied with one another for maintaining supremacy. The former, being shorn of their temporal power, were prevailed upon and sometimes with their permission, but not often through coercion by the Seljukid sultans to accept their domination. This also sometimes engulfed the Islamic world into fratricidal conflict in which Muslims shed the blood of one another. Several such incidents took uh, place during the reign of the uh, Khalifa Mustarshid. He was a brave and wise administrator who had won numerous battles, was, but was finally uh, defeated by the Seljuk Sultan Mas'ud in 529. Ibn Kathir gives an account of the uh, Khalifa's defeat. The Sultan Mas'ud gained victory and the Khalifa al-Mustarshid was taken prisoner. 
Baghdad was ransacked, which plunged the city into sorrow. The people dismantled the pulpits of the mosques and gave up attending congregational prayers, and women came out lamenting for the Khalifa and other captives. The people in other parts of the country followed suit, with the result that the Malik Sanjar had to ask his nephew to reinstate the uh, Khalifa. Masood acted on the advice of his uncle, but the Khalifa was assassinated by the emissaries of the Batinites, or the assassins, um, while he was uh, on his way back to Baghdad. These heartrending incidents were witnessed by uh, Abdul Qadir. Uh, he saw uh, the Muslims engaged in internal strife and bloodshed. The ghastliness of these feuds and forays, the cruelty and savagery and treachery of those who engaged in them, and the miseries they inflicted upon their foes for the transitory pleasures of power, position, and riches made him extremely sad. It is true that he had nothing to do with these struggles for power. He was never the, nevertheless alive to... Uh, to the miseries inflicted on the people and the evil effects of the unsettled conditions during his times. Uh, through his sermons, therefore, he endeavored with seriousness of purpose and ardent zeal characteristic of him to give a call to the moral propriety and rectitude of the self. He vividly explained the transitory nature of the world and its fleeting pleasures and the need for coveting eternal bliss and preparing for the life to come and the importance of evoking faith and correct mental attitude consisting of right conduct and speech, livelihood and ethical behavior. And, uh, you know, this is not at all disconnected from, you know, some of the states that we mentioned of uh, the Ummah and the biographical look at Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah tabarak wa ta'ala. Um, but it's interesting that Imam Ghazali was more pointed in his critiques of the, the, the elites, both intellectually and temporally, whereas Shah Abdul Qadir was you know, concerned with preserving the iman of the, of the rank and file of the masses. The sermons of Shah Abdul Qadir, the discourses of Shah Abdul Qadir had a magnetic effect which is still discernible in them. He is at his best in his Futuh al-Ghayb and al-Fatha al-Rabbani, in describing the love and unity of the divine being, he appears to be inspired by higher sources. The reader can still find the spirit of sincerity and enthusiasm running through these sermons. Following in the footsteps of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, his successors, and the illuminated saints of old, Abdul Qadir touched on the current problems of his day, analyzed the reasons for the miseries and maladies of the people, and provided answers to their doubts and deficiencies. Along with this, the tremendous sincerity and earnest zeal for the welfare of the people fired his haranguing with a frenzy of enthusiasm and magnetic effect capable of pulling the strings of the heart. The forces of worldliness had become so strong during Shah Abdul Qadir's time that the entire social and economic life of the community appeared to be woven into the context of political situation then obtaining. People had developed a tendency of depending upon kings and noble f nobles for the realization of their worldly ends and had begun to treat, began to treat them as uh, ultimate dispensers of benefit and harm. In order to counteract this mistaken tendency of the people, he says in one of his sermons, quote, The entire creation is like a man who has been imprisoned and chained by a king whose, domi uh, whose dominions are vast and countenance is awesome. The prisoner has been hanged from a pine tree beneath which flows a river wide and deep. The king is seated on an elevated chair, having arrows and bows, javelins and spears by his side. 
He hits the captive with whatever weapon he desires. Now, would it be prudent for anyone witnessing this scene to divert his attention from the king and expect harm or favor from the captive instead of the king? Would not such a man be deemed a fool or even mad? O oh Allah, I seek refuge from blindness after having been given eyes, from being cast off after having gotten near uh, to you, from regression after having been promoted to your favor, and from being misled after obtaining your guidance, and from apostasy after having granted faith. In another sermon, he asked to instill the love of God to the exclusion of everything beside him. He says, Keep your eyes fixed on him. Who is looking at you? Keep yourself before one who keeps himself before you. Love him who loves you. Hark unto him, the him here being with the capital H, hark unto him who calls you. Seek help from him who can save you. Uh, take you out of the darkness uh, of ignorance. Cleanse you of the impurity of your soul and redeem you from the baser self and misleading temptations, despair, and timidity. Your earthly desires are like your foolish friends who keep you off the righteous path and deprive you from uh, 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 those things pleasing and desirable. How long would you remain slaves of your desires, temptations, greed, pride, in short, all of this transitory world? How long would you remain forgetful of the hereafter and of your creator and fashioner of everything, the first and the last, the manifest and the hidden, hidden, everything is couched within his grasp from which emanates the love within your heart, the peace and solace and blessings and favors. Again, he throws light on the same topic in another lecture. Quote, the entire creation is helpless. Nothing can do good or harm to you. It is only God who lets a thing be done by you, or in other words, the will of God finds expression through you or someone else. God has already destined whatever is to happen to you, whether it be beneficial or harmful, and destiny cannot be changed. Those who are faithful and virtuous set an example unto other creations. There are a few amongst those who have so purified their heart that their interior and exterior selves have become one. Even if they have riches, their desires never seethe with the worldly attachment. Verily, only those are courageous, valiant, and powerful who have purified their hearts and attained the stage of illumination. Unto these alone belong the kingdom of heaven and earth, for they have cleansed their heart of everything save Allah. They are like a soldier who guards the door of his heart with the saber of tawhid, unity, and the, the sharia in his hand. To bar the entry of all creation and to place uh, uh, to a place reserved for the Creator, Jalla wa'ala. Since they have attuned their hearts to the ultimate source of power, the Sharia beautifies their exterior while Tawheed and the wisdom of God's knowledge decorate their interior. Explaining what is meant by the false objects of worship, he explains, You put your trust in your own self, in others, in your wealth in your rights and customs, in your trade and business, or in your rulers. But whatever object you place your reliance upon, it becomes, to say the truth, your object of worship. If you fear someone or expect harm or favor from him or deem him as an intercessor with God, then he is the object of worship for you. On another occasion, Shah Abdul Qadir vividly describes the jealousy and pride of God and his abhorrence of all associates. Uh, and also the wisdom lying behind the loss of things uh, so adored by man. Quote, You often complain, as you would ever do, that you have to suffer the loss of whatever you set your affections on. The object of your fancy, if it is a human being, either separates or dies. If it is wealth that you care for, you're in, you incur losses and are deprived of it. 
Then should I tell you that God is in love with you and that he is jealous too. He has created you for himself, but you want to be enraptured by others. Have you not heard what God has said? He holds them dear uh, who love him. And also he says, I created the jinn and mankind only that they may worship me. And are you not aware of what the Prophet ﷺ once said? When God loves anyone, he places him in trouble. But if he puts up with it, with endurance and forbearance, God sets him apart for himself. Requested to elucidate what he meant, for, meant by setting apart uh, a man, the Prophet ﷺ replied, God deprives him of his possessions and progeny. This is so because it is natural for a man to love his offspring and possessions, and thus his love which should have been for God alone is divided between the Creator and the created, between the eternal and the finite. God, however, is extremely proud and mighty, and therefore he destroys whatever threatens to become an associate in uh, the love for him. It is only then that the heart of the man whom he loves gets attuned to him. And then this man can claim to enjoy the distinction of what has been described by God as he holds them dear who love him. It is the stage when the heart of the man is cleansed of all idols and associates uh, with God, such as offspring, riches, pleasures, and desires. It has now no yearning, no longing left, worldly or otherwise, not even those relating to piety and miraculous powers, stations and states, nearness and remoteness. The heart becomes a bottomless vessel in which nothing can be kept. God Almighty, being extremely proud and jealous, makes the heart of his beloved incapable of nourishing any other desire. He shrouds the heart of his devotee with his awe and a grasp of, a gasp of admiration and guards it with his glory and might so that nothing can get inside this heart, nor can possessions and riches, family and progeny, friends and relations, piety and miraculous powers do any harm to it. None of these find a place in the heart of such a man nor then uh, God remains jealous of them. Whatever is granted thereafter to this man is a gift or reward from his God so that he may be of help to those who are around him or visit him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us uh, the love of such a noble state and such a lofty state. So many people when they hear it because of their weak iman they shudder. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the himmah to see something greater than the things that we chase after. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed has come to you a righteous exhortation from your Lord and a, a, a cure for the sickness of the hearts and a guidance and a mercy for the believers. Say Ya Muhammad for the fadl of Allah, for the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for that gift that uh, he gave that we did nothing to earn and that gift that he gave that we can do nothing to ever repay. Say because of the fadl of Allah and because of his mercy, let them rejoice for it. It is uh, better than the things that, that, that uh, they spend their time gathering. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, emancipate us from the shackles of these worldly desires and give us uh, give us the desire for him. And may Allah emancipate us from the shackles of these worldly loves and give us the one true love, that love that never dies, that love that never fails, 
that love which is happiness and honor in this world and uh, eternal bliss in the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those from his creation that he reserves for him or at least give us the himmah to acknowledge that such a dua would be a good one if we had the courage to make it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from the Muslims their prayers in this Mubarak night. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.